Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Made for Failure. We're here tonight, and it's election night. Very, very exciting stuff. So, at the current moment, we have Donald Trump at 63 electoral college votes, uh, Joe Biden with 89. Uh, surprisingly, Donald Trump is winning the popular vote with 25 million votes, and Joe Biden is close behind with almost 24 million votes. Tonight, we have an exciting lineup of a paleontologist and a pimp. Uh, pimp, they are completely separate people. They are two different parties with two entirely different uh, things they can bring to the table. So, before we have our first guest on, I want to ask you a question, Mr. Felix. Are you ready for your question? Uh, can I make a phone call? No. Okay. No phone calls. Throw the question out. Alright, so we have a hot political debate, you know, we have Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and this is, has been something that has been weighing on my mind for a long time. So, imagine you're in an airplane, right? And you crash land on a deserted island, and you've been surviving with either Joe or Trump, and someone, let's say you're missing your legs, right? And someone has to eat you. Who would you prefer to, prefer to eat you, Joe or Trump? Oh. That's a, it's an interesting one because I had a couple ideas pop up just then. I feel mm -hmm. like Trump would finish faster and I wouldn't have to watch him eat my leg. But, really? but Biden would probably take a long ass time. He might fall asleep in the middle of it. And I'll just be watching. Well, see, he consume it slowly. So you're saying you would want Trump to eat you? Uh, if I had to answer it now, yeah, I would say Trump. Okay, so we got we got a little debate before our first guest because I would actually say I would prefer to have Biden eat me instead of Trump. Because look at it this way, right? Everyone kind of agrees that Joe Biden is a little more emotional and empathetic than Trump, right? Mm -hmm. So okay, so look at it. So we're in a we're in a desert island, right? And both of my legs are off. You know, they're hanging by a few threads. And Joe Biden crawls over to me and he goes. Nathan, I'm going to have to eat you now. He's he's going to, like, try to make me feel good, you know? He's either going to put, like, some painkiller on me. He's either going to knock me out quick so I don't feel it. I, I, I feel Joe Biden would do the most for me in that situation, you know? He'd be trying to make it feel like I'm comfortable. Trump, I think he wouldn't care. He'd probably, like, strap you to the tree and make you watch as he eats his, eats your leg. Why do you think he'll strap you to the tree while he's eating? You don't well, even have legs. Like, where can you go? Well, like, he straps your arms and your waist to the tree, right? So you can't move and defend yourself. And you're just kind of there struggling as he's, like, nibbling on your leg. You think he'll nibble or gobble? And tearing into your leg? Kind of caring about whether you're still conscious or not? Mm -hmm. That's one way of looking at it, huh? What else you said because you said Trump would be uh, he would make it end quicker. So I want to hear how you defend that. Mm -hmm. I would say he would just hmm. he would probably eat it faster. I feel like he's got more energy to him. Like I said, Biden would probably fall asleep in the middle of eating 
or maybe he wouldn't eat it at all and he'd mm. end up dying and I'd end up with a leg like he might just quit so halfway through so you're kind of implying that they're not going to give you any painkiller at all they're just going to keep on chomping through your leg while you're still alive that's what I'm guessing because I feel like I feel like Trump would at least have the decency to finish. But but that implies that you're still alive, you know? So it's like if Trump is there and he's like just chomping through your leg, you're okay with that. I wouldn't want either of them to eat me, but it's like... Well, I'm just saying like, Trump would what? finish faster, okay? that That's my basis. I don't think there's anything else that would really change uh, how I would uh, see things. But that does kind of... Uh, what? He's just like looking you dead in the eyes when he's doing it. I think Joe Biden would be at least conscious enough to like put a rag over your eyes so you don't have to see what's happening. Oh yeah, he he whispers to you in your ear, trying to get you to loosen up. Right there, right up close to you, whispering, "Hey, don't, don't, don't worry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it all better. Just you and me, okay? That Trump fellow over there, he's not gonna treat you the way I will. All right, Nathan." Yeah, yeah. Let me just Wait, hold on, hold on. let me just give a nibble. What? What's up? What's up? You're making it sexual. You're making it sexual. That's not sexual. He is just <laughs> trying to make you soften up. He's trying to get you to loosen up. Relax, Nathan. He's trying to... <sighs> Why do you think everything's sexual, you fucking perv? You gotta look at it like this. You gotta look at it like this. He's just trying to get you in your element. He's trying to, trying to calm you down with the whispers of the wind. And his silver tongue. And his juicy lips right next to your ear. Well, okay, see, now you're making it kind of a rock. And it's like... You're the only one seeing it that way, Nathan. How... Hey, okay. Today, we, we the audience, have figured out that Nathan uh, finds Joe Biden to be a pretty sexual character. Well, you did describe it as like super sexually turned on. Like I didn't even say anything sexual. Charged. Those no, noises were of him eating your leg. How did no, you find pleasure in that? How did you find it, pleasure? It was, in was the implication. It was implied. It was implied. It was. It was in the implication. You can imply anything or see an implication anywhere. <laughs> okay. I would like to clarify that. That was a little erotic, and I cannot completely argue with the statement you previously made. I feel like he would just try to, when you said he would try to make you comfortable, I feel like, yeah, you're right, he would. He would give you a sniff, you know, kind of give you a grab mm -hmm. somewhere where you might feel it for sure, and just 
uh, whispers sweet nothings into your ear as he uh, chews on your thigh. Or what? If uh, if the podcast doesn't work out, you could work for like a an escort hotline or something. No, I'm not gonna lie. I was a little, I was a little turned by that. All right. That All right. <laughs> All right, man. You know I'm me, like, Nathan. You know me. I've got talents everywhere. It's just I choose them. I choose to devote my talents to modding Skyrim for hours at a time. I would like to clarify to the audience that my previous statement was not a joke. Alright. Just just throw that in there. Nathan Sus. Nathan Sus. Nathan Sus. Yeah, we can kind of segue to well, it's almost time for our guest to show up. So oh, right, we right. Can, <laughs> uh, we can segue from, uh, into our guest session. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Uh, we have just segued from our previous topic, and now we are introducing our first guest of the evening. Um, our guest is Evelyn, who's a real-life paleontologist. Would you like to introduce yourself, Evelyn? Yes. Hi, my name is Evelyn Vollmer, and I work at the Idaho Virtualization Lab the Idaho Museum of Natural History. Thank you. So I believe, Felix, you had some questions for our paleontologist. Yeah, so I was wondering, uh, paleontology is a pretty unique career from what I've uh, known about it, but mm -hmm. I wanted to know, like, was there a singular moment where in your life, or maybe a series of moments, where you thought to yourself, this is what I want to do, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, so I actually was a pretty lost soul for most of my life and ha I had a lot of things that I really enjoyed doing, but I never knew like what my calling was going to be. Um, I was in my senior year of high school and I got given an, uh, like an opportunity to go work at the, at my local museum as a volunteer. And I would, I'd like, super jumped at that because I'd always loved history and was just fascinated with natural history and science and all of that. And then I got to be a gallery intern and I got to teach kids about science and I picked up a lot of random knowledge that way. And it was just one of those experiences where I just really fell in love with it. And then I was like, well, this is, this is where I want to go. And so for a while I worked in the education department of our museum, um, going through the beginning part of college and then I switched over to the Idaho Virtualization Lab which is also part of the museums uh, like, yeah so it's part of the museum but we do different stuff so we work with other institutions and we digitize fossils and work with uh, fixing specimens for research and it's really just I fell into it it wasn't a planned thing but now that I'm here I love it so much that's good to hear no, before Felix asks another question, can I ask, just to clarify and make clear, was there anything that had Jurassic Park to do with this? Did it influence your career at all? <laughs> so actually, no. But Jurassic Park is actually pretty, like, after it came out in the 90s, there was a boom in paleontology and interest in it. So while a lot of people will bag on it for the inaccuracies, it's also a really good thing because it brought public interest back into the the community and honestly i love jurassic park okay see i'm glad to hear that because that's actually <laughs> really good for me 
because uh, someone owes me $5 now because it was a wager <laughs> beforehand about whether Jurassic Park had any influence on your career. So I am now $5 richer. Thank you. So uh, you got, I think it's it's a pretty even split there. Even yes, split? did you have? Even split. Mm. So I, I'm I'm taking the five dollars. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So okay. So you were at a point in time where you didn't really have any idea where to go with your with a career, right? Yeah. So what I do in paleontology is I I work on the digital side. So um, it's it's pretty artsy actually. Um, I do a lot of three D modeling. I use ZBrush and a bunch of other three D modeling softwares. So. Um, growing up, I'd always been interested in art and science, but never knew how to meld the two. Um, and, you know, they always tell you you can't make money as an artist and all of that, which it's just, it's not true. You can make money with art. And I think this was like my way of finding out that. And throughout life, I'd kind of gotten beat down by people and my, like, like teachers telling me that I wasn't the best student and all of that. Um, so it, it was really awesome finally like building confidence through this career and like enjoying where i am now oh okay so for your career it's a lot of 3d modeling you said yeah so, so other paleontologists spend their time out in the field and are like actively researching like that i'm more on the like research side inside of a lab where people send their fossils to me and i digitize stuff and we'll create models for them. So uh, with the helicoprion fo fossil that you guys did mention wanting to talk about, which um, is something that we're famous for at our museum, at our lab, we um, CT scanned one of those fossils, and then we created a model based off of that CT scan for research. So that's how we ended up solving that whole mystery. Well, see, the Healy, how do you pronounce that? I've never been able to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> so there's some people that call it Helicoprion, which is where we at our camp sit. And some people call it Helicoprion. He Helicoprion, all right. Helicoprion. So the Helicoprion, I understand you're one of how many people in the world that studies this, uh, this creature? Uh, so it's a pretty narrow field. Um, so at my my museum, there are two and then there's me who i help a lot with stuff but the other two jesse pruitt and leaf tapanilla are the experts um so i've helped out with so you, stuff with them huh so you're basically like one of three people around the whole world that spends a lot of time there's on this animal more than more than three like i i would guess 15 people on the planet well see that's still not a lot that's super impressive no yeah there's not a lot of people on this one so I know from what I've seen from you that the he uh, I still can't pronounce it he look Brian was that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm I got it down. I understand <laughs> that it's on he look Brian. There we go. Yeah, that'll work. So I understand that it's on the jigsaw mouth that it's infamous for. That's scientifically inaccurate, isn't it? So there are a couple of reconstructions that are that go around that are really famous and super eye-catching. Um, so let me let me just get you up to speed on the whole thing. So Helicoprion is this ancient shark that lived in the Permian 265 million years ago. Um, and its adaptation for its mouth was that it didn't shed teeth. And so its 
teeth would actually spiral inside of its jaw. But before we knew anything about the shark, the only thing that fossilizes from it is this whorl of teeth. So no one knew exactly where the whorl sat on the animal. So the very beginning uh, theories were that it might have like come off the tail. It might have come off of its nose. No one really knew where it sat. But because we CT scanned one of our fossils at our museum, we actually found part of the cartilage of the mouth. And we're actually able to find exactly where it sits. So I, I can send you pictures of it if you would like. But the the reconstructions of the spiral like jutting out of its mouth very scarily are not real. So where would it be? Like, because this is... I honestly want to talk about the whole shrink wrapping epidemic with dinosaurs and fossils. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at this shark, would it just look like a normal shark and then inside of its mouth is all these teeth? That's what we, um, that's what we've proposed for now. The, the front part of the, um, the head of this animal is really all we know. And that's based off of the CT that I was telling you about, but everything else is, is, based on how evolution works with this line of animals that we know about. Um, so people fight about whether it had certain fins or not. Um, but really, it's all conjecture on that. Yeah. So, so what did... Hold on, do you want to go? Huh? Oh, I just wanted to yeah. know, how big are based these things? Like um, I well. think, so, based off of our largest whorls that we found, the largest ones were around 35 feet. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, they were big. See, I always saw these and I thought they were like six feet or something. I always thought they were like little tiger sharks or something. No, they were really big. So And they're, uh, more close, they're more closely related to ratfish than sharks. So we like to use the word shark to, so that the public understands and gets like a picture of what these things look like. But they actually are chimeras and more closely related to ratfish. A chimera? Mm-hmm. Kind of scary. What do ratfish look like? Uh, they got. They do fit the description of what I'd imagine a ratfish to be. Uh, but a chimera? Like, could you elaborate on that? Um, they're a cartilaginous cartilaginous fish. A cartilaginous fish. Oh, um, shark sharks are cartilage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, this is this is where uh, the little bit of science I know comes in. Uh, <laughs> before we move on, one thing I wanted to ask was, um, you mentioned that people said the teeth, they conjectured that it might have been in the tail. What did that look like? So, in the very early days of this fossil, um, a, this they were found in Russia before we got to them here in Idaho. So, um, a man named Karpinski had found them, and he proposed a bunch of different... Uh, ideas of what it might have looked like. So there's this famous picture that goes around um, d depicting them with crazy whorls coming out of their tails, out of their fins, and it, just all, all kinds of stuff that really was just people guessing. So really, it, yeah, until 2013, we weren't at all sure of what this thing looked like. Oh, 2013? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's see, it's one of those things where it's like I've always kind of thought that the the spiral the spiral teeth shark was kind of always there. Like I can't remember when I first remember seeing it, 
Mm-hmm. That's kind of, that's like one of those Mandela effect things. Yeah. Okay, so, so when, oh, uh, you can you can finish. I was gonna ask about uh, the art portion of it. No, you ask because I keep interrupting you. That's my thing here. I always interrupt you. Oh yeah, it's our running gag. <laughs> so I just wanted to ask. Uh, a lot of it's uh, conjecture and just theorizing on what might have made up this shark or other creatures, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to putting it onto the programs and trying to dry it out and stuff and sculpt it, uh, are you? is it left up to interpretation or do you have a code or something to follow? So when we're doing reconstructions, we look at modern references. Um, this model that is uh, accepted as the, the most um, up-to-date one was done by my boss, Jetsy Pruitt, and he used um, modern references like ratfish um, and then other sharks. So it's, I would say that we're we're pretty close to what it would look like, but you never know when some fossil is going to come around and completely change what we know about this animal. Oh, does that happen a lot? Yes. I mean, have you have you seen the recent Spinosaurus reconstruction? I I have not. Let me let me pull that up. It's pretty crazy like from what what Spinosaurus looked like um back in the day to what it is now. It's amazing. Well, okay. This is not like the movies. <laughs> yeah. Huh. It's a lot peaceful what? looking. Can you send that cuz every time they come out with like the new designs for the uh like, I say new designs, like it's an update. So, like, every time they update old dinosaur designs, we went from, like, big, fat, chunky dinosaurs and then to, like, these lean predators. And now are we back to, like, the chunky dinosaurs, but now they have feathers? I, so, I, I think we're to a happy medium now. I think we're getting better at correcting ourselves on things. Um, like, early early paleontology is one of my favorite things to look at because the paleontologists back then were just throwing anything at any any wall possible and so there are a lot of really crazy reconstructions from the early days of paleontology and now we've been trying to fix the shrink wrapping issue which is basically when you reconstruct an animal based on the skeletal entirely and you're not thinking about what kind of muscle mass there would be um, if you if you think about an alien came across like a an elephant skeleton, and they had no idea that they had a trunk, they wouldn't reconstruct it with a trunk because they had no idea what that would be. So I feel bad for paleontists. They get it, they get it rough because they're trying their best based on what we know. But I think we're always learning more. And then with with feathers introduced into dinosaurs, I mean it's. There are feathered dinosaurs. Like, uh, if you try to say there aren't, you're wrong. So, have you found feathers on them? Because I'm really curious. Like, how are were they feathers? Were they little feathers? Did they have like giant wings? Yeah, they had pretty intense wings. So, there's um a lot of the smaller baby dinosaurs, like uh, like Archaeopteryx, is the connection between birds and theropods. So, those fossils are actually found with feathers on them. 
Um, and a lot of other ones have been found too. Like I believe that there's been feathers found in correlations with younger T-Rexes. They believe now that uh, T-Rex had like baby feathers and then as it grew older, they would lose their feathers. So uh, it's been described to me as they're almost like ostrich feathers, where it's like a little bit of plumage. Oh, okay. So like, so like they grow like baby teeth, like they fall out and then they don't need them anymore? Mm-hmm, and it just depends what kind of dinosaurs you're looking at for this. So like, uh, like raptors probably had them their entire lives. Um, Archaeopteryx definitely had them its entire life. But uh, like big guys like T-Rex, it's still not 100% sure. That's why the newest um, reconstruction in the Field Museum of, of Sioux doesn't have feathers on it because there's still debate in the community. Was there any uh, evolutionary advantage to having some of these feathers? Something you can name? Um, so the little dinos were hanging out in trees and they were still trying to figure out flight, and I think it was more of a they were hopping from tree to tree type of thing, so it's more of falling with style. Mm. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Is is, Arche- is Archaeopteryx, is, is he a carnivore? Yes. Okay, so I noticed all the dinosaurs you mentioned, I think. I think they were all, they were all carnivores, right? Mm-hmm. So did big herbivores like Apatosaurus and Brachiosaurus, did they ever have feathers? Um, I don't believe that they have been found in correlation with feathers. Also, I'm not sure. I might have answered your question wrong. Uh, did you mean all dinosaurs were omnivore, um, or her, uh, carnivores? No, I mean just the ones you mentioned with the feathers. Oh, yeah. Yes. So when you have these two, these little... From the four-legged herbivores and like why they don't have stuff. I don't. I really wouldn't know how to even guess. Oh, okay. No, it's just something I'm wondering because every time you see, you see everyone arguing about how like the T-Rex it might have been like a giant chicken, and then the Brachiosaurus is like he's like all by himself. You know, no one cares if he has feathers or not, and I feel bad. Yeah, and then the ornithicians versus the theropods, it's always a different type of argument there for whether they had feathers or not, because it, like they're so separated on the evolutionary tree that I highly doubt that they had feathers, but you never know. Do you think they're closer to like elephants and mammals than the rest of the dinosaurs? Yeah, I would definitely compare them to more... Uh, like of our big animals like that, mm-hmm. but it's it's really hard because those all of the ornithischians were wiped out in the KT extinction. It was the the little baby uh, like Archaeopteryx um, that survived on the theropod line. Wait, so the Archaeopteryx he's a theropod. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, like, I'm learning so much new things right now. <laughs> I feel very smart. <laughs> Yay! Okay, so this is kind of, is not a smart question, but are there any um, big name scientists that you don't like? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, this man is bringing it in. Oh no, uh, you know, I don't think I've actually ran into any that are, like, yeah, like, notably, notably mean. 
I have had like negative experiences, but I'm not about to name drop. <laughs> so I, I mean, I gotta ask it because I got my own personal statement on this. Uh-huh. Uh, do paleontologists do they like Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. He's controversial. Ah, see, 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 I was onto something. Okay, okay, fine. I'll do admit you, it. Do you guys? I do not like Neil deGrasse Tyson. I, it's a deep, it's a deep-rooted uh, dislike I've had for years, right? So, like, yeah. my, my first, my first gripe with Mr. Tyson is that, um, do you remember when Star Wars: The Force Awakens came out? Uh-huh. Oh my god! Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, right? So when it came out, he was like going on Twitter and like he was telling everyone like, oh, because the trailer came out, right? And it shows BB-8 like rolling around on sand. And he's going around telling everyone, oh, that's impossible. BB-8 can't roll around on sand because, like, the friction or whatever. And he's, like, telling everyone it's CGI. But it wasn't. BB-8 was the actual puppet. So it was actually rolling around on the sand, right? So he's, like, getting so full of himself, but he's, like, completely wrong. And oh, I was like, man. <laughs> And then I got my second one, which is my second biggest gripe with this man. Is that um years ago, right? I uh, wasn't really allowed to watch cartoons, so I'd watch oh. like science shows. Oh. And um, <laughs> hold on, it was it was Cosmos, right, with um Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. And um, there's this clip. He's talking about molecules and atoms. And there's this farmer, like his daughter, met this boy, right? And this boy goes out to kiss the farmer's daughter, right? They're like nine year old kids. And the farmer goes out. He's like, "Don't you touch her." And then, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he comes in, he's like, well, actually, he's not touching her, because the molecules, they push each other apart. It's like, no, they're not. He's obviously touching her. No one cares about the molecules. Ew. Okay, so <laughs> I don't like my, that. That's my biggest gripe with the man, okay? It's like, I never liked that episode. Uh, yeah, I I started watching the Cosmos. I can't even remember when that one came out, but I think I was in high school. Um... But I get really claustrophobic thinking about the universe, and so so I couldn't watch it. I was like, "This is too much." You get claustrophobic. Yeah, it, like it, when you start thinking about how tiny and uh, insignificant everything is, uh, it really freaks me out. It's like a it's like a reverse uh, claustrophobia, I think. Hmm. So because. It's like everything is just way too massive. Yeah, you just, it's like, wow, so uh, I'm freaking out about an election right now, but like, really, we could just die at any second for no reason. Like, a planet just happened to, like, mess up its orbit, and then, I don't know, it just really freaks me out. And then, ugh, everything's expanding, like, what? Yeah, it's it's kind of weird to me, because uh, I watched a lot of shows just like getting Star bigger, Trek, bigger, right? Yeah. You know? What gets bigger? Oh, the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I watched a lot of Star Trek and stuff growing up, so, like, I'm seeing all these worlds out there, these landscapes, all these creatures, and <laughs> here I am, still stuck on Little Earth, and I'm just wondering to myself, I'm never gonna see that, huh? <laughs> I So, on TikTok, I've made, like, a bunch of friends with other scientists, and there's this one girl who I just absolutely love. She does science videos. 
And I asked her, I was like, would you ever go to space? Like, genuinely, would you be, like, cool with going to space and never coming back? And she was like, oh, yes, that would be amazing. And I just cannot, like, I cannot imagine that. Well, like, if I'm in the mood, like, if I'm mad at everyone, I say, <laughs> yes, I want to go to space. <laughs> but then, like, I calm down and think, do I, because, like, I've seen those, like, Mars mission logs or like they say what could potentially happen. It's like I do not want to spend forty years alone with the same eight people in a rocket ship. Ugh, no thank you. It's like Felix, I love you, but I don't want to spend forty years with you, you know? I see how it is. <laughs> Poor Felix. So Well no, this this man said um maybe he wouldn't get go out and get chicken nuggets with me. Yeah. We had a whole conversation about it. Oh, you no. Know, it, was, it, it was a bond that was broken. Was it dino nuggets? It could be. Of course. Of course. <laughs> that's that's our go-to. Or it used to be. Oh. Well, it, it, it used to be until there was the broken bond. But yeah. Oh, I'm we'll sorry, skip past boys. that for now. We're in a purely business relationship now. <laughs> yeah. We're strictly business right now. <laughs> I actually wanted to ask, uh, why wouldn't you want to go out into space? Uh, it's, it's it's really scary. Um, there's just so many things that could go wrong. Um, if you ever look into the stuff that like the people on the ISS have to go through to just like trim their toenails, it's crazy. Um, I like showering too much. Wait, what yeah, do they have to go through to trim their toenails? They have to, like, put their toes up to a vent and, like, have to, like, I mean, it's such a process. They have, like, uh, their clippers, but they have to make sure that they're not shooting them up in the air, not air, but, like, orbit, because the toenails will, like, stab people. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like, you'd okay. have to really like your crew. Like, <laughs> I don't know, I just need my personal space, too. Oh, yeah, it, it's pretty cramped from what I've seen. Yeah, and they have, like, makeshift beds. Like, you can't actually lay down to go to sleep. You just have to go into your little pod and just deal with it. Oh, so you're kind of just floating and you're asleep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to think about that. It's kind of okay. cool. Maybe yeah, I'd enjoy it, it for, like, two days. Be like yeah, it's like a camping like, uh, trip. Yeah, it's like a vacation type of thing, you know? It's like, oh, you, you were floating while you are asleep for the experience. But then you can't, like, just flop into your bed after a long day, you know? You just yeah. kind of float, you know? Oh, yeah, your sense of comfort is going to be thrown off. Think about it. You can never actually sit in a chair again. You can never lie on the couch again. You're always just floating. And there's also the fact that, like, if you do go into space for a long period of time, and you don't treat yourself, like, or exercise, I guess, is the rough way of saying it. You'll come back to normal Earth gravity and you won't be able to do anything physical. Yeah, there's uh, just a lot. There's a lot to it. I have this weird fear, though, of, like, not really aliens, but space horrors. Like, what <laughs> what could be out there? You know? Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, I, I could say aliens, okay? I'll, I'll say it. I'm a little freaked out about aliens. You don't know what's I, out there. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to, to really say because it's pretty arrogant of, of us to assume that we're the only ones that on the evolutionary line of life have made it this far. But also, it is pretty crazy that we've made it this far and have been this successful as a... As a a species and like life existing i don't know it just i really hope that there's life elsewhere but i i flip-flop on it so much yeah it's a tough to tough thing to really have an opinion on but yeah in terms of uh evolutionary lines and how far humans have come i've seen i've seen sketches and stuff from people about like what what would have happened if uh, the meteors or the dinosaurs didn't get wiped out and how they would have developed into something similar to us. And I was wondering if you knew anything about that. Well, yeah, I mean, all of that is just guessing, but I would have to say that they probably, if mass extinctions didn't happen and dinosaurs were on the line to becoming even more intelligent, I I would have to say that they probably would be further along than us. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Although lizard I've, people I have become super obsessed with Bunny the dog. Have you guys paid any attention to that one? Oh no, the dog. I have. Wait. Okay. Yes. I so, I don't know what this is. So there's this dog on TikTok that this lady's like teaching it how to talk. And so it has this board of buttons and words that are associated with those those buttons. And it's, like, the dog is learning a lot, and it's pretty amazing. And so it, like, sent me down this rabbit hole of research. And so I started reading about, like, dog intelligence. And they're comparable to human two-year-olds. Which Ooh. just has me, like, wow, dinosaurs must have been... Re pretty smart like i, I kind of wonder if there are animals out there that have hit an intelligence that we like quite can't quite fathom yet i mean i know crows and dolphins have had have shown some form of intelligence or like uh uh cleverness in their behaviors yeah um, they play with each other like they create games they create games or they just like crows they can recognize a person so if you mess with them they'll remember your face <laughs> cool i had a friend that happened to uh her dad or something like he threw a rock at a crow in front of their house uh, and then for years after they were just flocks of crows in their lawn every time they would go outside that would attack them <laughs> uh, i heard this story from someone that they had I can't even remember where I heard this from, but they were on a campus somewhere and evidently looked like someone who had messed with some crows. And so the crows hated this person who had <laughs> never done anything to them. <laughs> I, I would hate to be a victim of a crow violence. That sounds like a horrible <laughs> way to go. A new yeah. meaning to a murder of crows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Really quickly, when you mentioned the uh, human, like if uh, dinosaurs would go down the human evolution line, 
have you ever seen that picture of like the lizard man which is like a velociraptor and he's standing up like a man right he's like shaped like a human but he has like these giant yellow eyes have you ever seen that picture uh i don't think i have okay felix have you uh was it an artistic rendition or like yeah it was an artistic rendition okay let's see because see i don't know if anyone has because when i was younger i got this weird dinosaur book from my aunts right for christmas and it was like a really good book it had a bunch of dinosaurs but then in the last three pages there was this really this like really detailed figure of a human except they were green with a tail and they had like a dinosaur head but it was smooth with giant yellow eyes and i saw i saw that thing in my nightmares for like four years afterwards so like the every time i hear about like dinosaurs being smarter than humans it like freaks me out and brings me that back to that time (laughs) Mm. yeah okay i I have the picture or at least i think i do here it is it's uh just like concept art for what would have been in the next jurassic park okay see yeah it wasn't like that it was like it looked like as realistic as that but it was like a man but with lizard eyes terrifying i got nightmares man it was like the scariest well actually no as a kid i was kind of a wuss i was scared by everything (laughs) okay but that but that one scared me a lot Mm. okay okay yeah so when it comes to these kinds of things uh it's all just yeah like you said before it's left up to interpretation right yeah so i want to ask because we're actually coming to the close of the guest session um i want to ask what's like do you have like a really either embarrassing or like horrible moment that happened in your career that was like either bad for you or bad for someone else but you kind of look fondly on that if that makes sense uh well i have a a funny story (laughs) that just comes to mind for some reason um so in 2018 there was the society of vertebrate paleontology conference that happened in albuquerque um it was my first time going to one of these conferences and i was going with my boss who had been to a, a bunch of them before um and we were presenting at our booth on a bunch of the 3d scanning stuff that we do at our our lab and I was talking to some people at, at the booth and something behind me, behind us, like, fell and it, like, almost hit me, but he, like, ninja grabbed it and, and saved me from it, but, like, I'm a super flinchy person, and so when he moved his hand, it, like, freaked me out and I looked like a, like, an abuse victim <laughs> right in front of these, these people, and they looked at me like, my god, like, what is this man doing to her? Like, this is awful. And I, I was like, I didn't know how to recover from the situation and just, like, tried laughing it off. And then after they left, my boss was like, what the heck, Evelyn? Like, I've never hit you or done anything of the sort. I was, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm just super flinchy, like, I couldn't help it. But yeah, it was pretty embarrassing because, like, they were paleontologists that we were talking to, too. But mm-hmm. I hope they don't ever think about that, but I think about it almost every week. What was, what was the thing that... It was some, uh, like, poster that just was about to hit my the back of my neck. 
because you. But yeah, that was a very special. That, was a very special one. Specifically. Was I there? Wait, what? Sorry, was I interrupted? Yeah, because like my internet over the place right now. Oh uh, no, I'm hearing it on my end too. Yeah, you're you're cutting out in a weird way, but uh, it's uh it's not so bad now. Okay, that works. Um, I want to throw in one minor detail, cause like you mentioned that um that happened at like. A conference and it kind of reminded me that um everywhere my family has been like we used to go on vacation a bit because we used to live overseas everywhere we've been every single individual member of my family has been yelled at by people at museums like we all have our own yeah we all have our own touching the art uh story because we're always getting yelled at oh no so, so like for my dad no for my dad and my brother it was the same one we went to a museum in spain right and there was this big room, and there was this, like, big square in the middle, and then a pile of dirty clothes, and then a trash can, and then a few benches, right? So it's like, okay, it's like modern art. And my brother and my dad, they go to sit down on these benches. Yeah, it was a room full of paintings, right? So it's like, there's benches in the middle, so you assume, yeah. right? You sit on the benches, and then you look at the paintings, right? Uh-huh. So they sit down. And then all of a sudden, these guards come out, like, they're flailing their arms. They're like, get off the yard, get off the yard, get off oh the yard. God. And they're like, and they're like, what the heck? They're, they're literal benches. And they never told us what they were, because they were just wooden benches. But they're, like, screaming at them to get off the yard. It's art! It, it's all art. It's all subjective. And then uh, my mom, uh, we went to Greece, right? And uh, you know the, uh, the, pan- the Parthenon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you walk underneath it. And so my mom, she was so in the moment, like they have a bunch of signs, do not touch the Parthenon, do not step over the line. My mom steps over the line and goes and puts her whole palms on the Parthenon. And then like three security guards all at the same time start screaming at her to stop touching the art or the building. And then finally me, I went to Israel, right? We went to Israel and they have like these old 3000 old structures. Like there were some... Uh, there were some Philistine, like, uh, tower. Uh-huh. I go to lean on it. Like, apparently this had been there for, like, 3,000 years, right? Oh, no. They didn't say, do not touch. It was there. It was brick. I go to lean on it, and my hand just falls through all the way to the floor, and I realize that I broke 3,000-year-old brick completely uh. by accident. Oh, no. Yeah, my brother is in the room right now. He's uh, also reminding me I got yelled at twice. Because um, we were in Italy, and there was this, you know, in Rome, the, the two founders of it, the, of Rome, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they were like, um, their mom was a wolf, and uh, there was a statue, and it said, please touch, right? And I said, oh, okay, I'll go touch it, and I start, go and start, like, rubbing my hands all over it. And then the security guard comes over, and she starts screaming, don't touch it, don't touch it. I'm like, why? It says, please touch. And she says, she points really aggressively. She's like, only for blind people. I'm like, how are they supposed to know they can touch it if they can't see oh, that's it? That's so know? weird. But yeah, we've been yelled at everywhere. Everywhere we go, someone always also, yells at like, us. Also, uh, be like, how do you know that I'm not blind? I should have pulled that. I should have pulled that out. I should have pulled out the blind You're card. You're discriminating against me. I should have looked at her with glazed eyes and go, huh? Who's there? Who's yelling at me? Yes. 
Have you ever yelled at anyone? Uh, um, I have, like, slightly told people to stop being stupid a couple of times, but I've never actually, like, freaked out at anyone. Um, have you, you guys are familiar with Yellowstone? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I live really close to Yellowstone, and, uh, I go, I've gone there a couple of times, and a lot of the time tourists aren't, like, they are just not aware of the danger of the hot pools there. And also, it, touching the hot pools can bring your, uh, like, oils and other germs and stuff into the biomes, and you essentially are, like, hurting the creatures that actually live in there. So, my brother and I, like, had to yell at someone who was trying to, like, dip their feet into one of these pools that was, like, they, they're, what, like, 250 degrees, something like that? It's, like, insane. Do not mess around with them. But mm -hmm. that was just, just us like... being, like, other park goers, though. But, yeah, usually at the museum I'm pretty nice with people. I'll be like, hey, don't do that. See, I'm I'm glad you're polite to them because I I mean it would have been nice if people were polite to us instead of screaming at us, you know. Yeah, I think God. sometimes people just take their jobs too seriously. I mean, Nathan, you broke a three thousand year old brick. Well, okay, it was, a, it was more <laughs> it was more than one brick, but it looks well, sturdy, you know. Oh, uh, you're you're not making your argument here. There, w there was nothing that said do not touch. It was literally just a pile of brick and stone. So I went to go lean on it, you know, like a normal kid who was tired of walking around. And then my hand just falls through it. How was I supposed to know? <laughs> oh, well. Can... At this yeah. Point... Have you guys heard of Tiktaalik? I have not, but I am okay, an uncultured so... person, so... So Tiktaalik is this fossil that's like the link between fish and land. It's a really famous fossil. Um, and there are only three of them on the planet. And they were found in Canada. And my boss got to go up and scan them so that we can share those models with the public. Um, but when he went to go scan them, he was picking up one of the, the arms and accidentally dropped it, and it broke. <laughs> he was like, he yeah, he had like a, a really oh crap moment, and was like, I'm so sorry, I I'm so sorry. It's it's two pieces, like we can glue it and all this. And then the researchers that were working on it were like, oh yeah, it's totally fine. Like that that happens all the time. So he was, but it was like a terrifying moment because that's that's a very important fossil. So break. Breaking fossils is more common. Yeah, it happens a lot more than <laughs> you'd like to think. So, Tiktaalik. Okay, yeah, I, I know what this thing is. I didn't know the name. Oh, man, these artist renditions are just uncanny. It's, <laughs> I don't know, like, it looks freaky to me. Maybe. It's so cute! With the tiktaalik, the little, like, alligator fish thing that comes out of the water? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one that was in the meme. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically where I know it from. Kids these days are paying too much attention to TikTok and not enough to tiktaalik. Tick mm. Ooh. Oh, there you go. 
What was it? I think he looks very polite. You know, he has that little smile on his face. <laughs> Just a sweet little guy. Oh, wow. There's a, a page dedicated to it. Huh. Oh, yeah. This one This one was the picture that kind of freaked me out the most. Not the one I just sent. Uh, <laughs> this one. It was the, the one with the body. <laughs> it's so do, you ever send, do you ever send your employers tiktalic memes? Oh, all the time. All the time. Is this a yeah, normal they, occurrence? Yeah, they all have a pretty good sense of humor. I work with some really awesome people. So the age range of all your of your colleagues are do they tend to be older or around your age? Um so my boss is he's in his late 30s and then there's another one that works there who's like mid 30s and I'm 23 and then there's a couple of interns who are still uh like a little bit younger than me so it's pretty much anywhere from 19 to to 40. Oh, okay. Okay. There are there are a lot of um, older people in other sections of paleontology though. Like um, I'm specifically talking about my lab. Um, these people all know how to use computers, so there's some paleontologists that still are not not computer literate. Really? Yeah. I figured that would be something a, a bit of a requirement in that field. Most most of the new people, or well, actually, like yeah. A lot of the new people all are on the digital side of things, um, but the old people that have been in there for years have gotten away with it. So what type of jobs do the old people who don't use computers, what type of things they do, do they do? Prep. So oh, they'll okay. go out into the field and then uh, like prep out fossils and write papers and stuff. Uh, so traditional paleontology is an old person's job. <laughs> okay yeah I've, I've always pictured like most paleontologists to be fairly older you know kind of like uh the old guy in jurassic park it wasn't old the the old man, oh, man. Well, it's yeah, been years like... since i watched it yeah he's a good guy well, no, like, okay, okay, John Hammond or Richard Hammond or whatever, he was the old guy, but Alan Grant was young. He was like a 30 year old oh, yeah. archaeologist. Yeah, I was talking about Hammond. Nathan. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> okay well, I'm on the defensive here. You call yourself a Jurassic Park fan? I, I'm actually wearing my Jurassic Park t shirt. It's cool, Okay. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, this was a. I'm looking at the time right now and it felt a lot shorter, if I'm being real. It's about 45 minutes now. Uh, I think we should transition to the next uh, portion of the episode. But, uh, Evelyn, thank you for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was uh, really a really eye opening experience. I'm glad. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, we learned a lot, and we I think we had some pretty interesting topics brought up. Yeah, it was nice to talk to both of you. For some reason, and we went into space, for some reason. Well, and you know. Felix, <laughs> Felix owes me $5. Okay, yeah. You're never going to let me forget, huh? Never.
Evelyn, you did this to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well. It was a good session, and, well, I don't know how to end this off, but, uh, yeah, it was nice meeting you. Uh, yeah, it was nice to meet you guys, too. I'll yeah. see you later. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. Smell yeah. you later. Nerd. Peace.